Hi everyone, welcome along to the Phil Hoffman Travel Podcast. You're in for a treat today because we're not going to necessarily talk about a destination or a way that you can travel around this world or this great country of ours, but we're going to meet one of the great people at Phil Hoffman Travel and that is the CEO and Director Peter Williams. Great to see you, Peter. Yeah, good to see you, Leith. We did this with Phil. We'd love to do this with yourself as well. It's really interesting to find out your story because yeah, you're, sure. you've been here uh, 24 years now. 24 yeah, so nearly years. quarter of a decade. So gone pretty quick, I have to say. Can we start at the start? It feels yeah. a bit like conversations. Richard <laughs> Feidler or Quincy or sort of this is your life, if you like, for travel. Um, how did you get in the travel industry first? Yeah, look, I guess it's a, a, an interesting one. Um, I'm a boy from Broken Hill. So uh, I grew up in Broken Hill and uh, first 18 years, fantastic place. Loved it there. All my uh, best mates, uh, you know, from there and uh, still have a few family there. Yep. But uh, when it came, uh, you know, tertiary study, there wasn't much to do there. So <laughs> decided to come up to Adelaide, yep. uh, lucky enough to get into Flinders Uni and uh, did an economics uh, degree up there. And uh, believe it or not, uh, politics. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a politician there for a while, but uh, I'm glad I didn't go down that line. And uh, and I guess at the end of that degree, I guess they're quite generic. And I thought, well, I need I need something that's really going to you know get me a decent job here. And uh, my old man had all, always worked for himself, and uh, I had aspirations to do something similar, but I just couldn't see my way to navigate through it. So uh, I ended up doing a um, a course at uh, the University of, or back then it was the Institute of Technology, so UniSA. Yeah. And it was a commercial valuation course. And that really interested me because uh, Dad was a builder and I, I always just loved buildings full stop. And I yep. thought, well, I'm not very good manually, so I can't build them. What can I do? So maybe I can value them. And uh, and I love that. It was a postgraduate degree for a couple of years, but unfortunately it was just, uh, it was early 90s and Australia was going through a real tough time there. And there, there wasn't a lot of jobs going around. And, it was me and another lad who did okay in the course, and uh, we went for a job at uh, Jones Lane Wooten, which was really the iconic place to work, you mm-hmm. know, as a valuer. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I come second, and he, he got the job, and I think he's now a director there, so <laughs> I, I don't think that worked out too well for me at the time. So I decided to travel, and uh, and that's where basically that was the catalyst to, to do what I'm doing now. I fell in love with travel. I hadn't traveled a lot prior to that, and uh, you know, so we went over to New Zealand and over the US, backpacked all the way through there, bought vans and, and basically I spent 12 months away and, and came back and I, I just fell in love with uh, the romance of travel and I thought, well, how can I turn this into, you know, basically monetize it? So I decided um, to go back and I booked through Phil Hoffman Travel and, um, you know, it's kind of like sliding doors and as I was going back to thank my consultant at the, at the time who became a bit of a mentor, Bob Thompson, Phil was walking out the door and he said, oh, I remember you. He's got a good memory, the old fella. And uh, and uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I did my booking through here 12 months ago. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm just bringing a bottle of wine in for Bob and uh, thanking him. And uh, so he said, do you mind if I sit down and listen to your story? So um, we sat down and we, we hit it off pretty well. He said, you should get into travel. And I said, well, funny you should say that. I'm struggling a little bit to get a job. And he said, well, you've got to go back and study. And I said, oh, mate, I've already spent six years at uni. He said, no, nah, I won't even look at you unless you... Yeah. So I did. I did the, uh, the TAFE course and... To a certain extent, the rest is history. I come back and uh, did a bit of work experience, and then uh, started uh, started down the bay, and yep. uh, that was my first job with Phil. But uh, yeah, there's a bit more to it. So, what year was that, the Glenelg? So I started in '94, right. uh, '94, and uh, I started just on weekends. Phil had a concept around because he was only open uh, five and a half days a week. Yep. And he said, look, uh, I've got this job going, but it's going to be Saturdays and Sundays. And I went, oh. so I love my cricket at the time. So. 
But I was 26 years of age and I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to be a, an Australian cricketer. Uh, I need to make a, a career for myself here. So I said, yeah, I'll take it on. And we actually built a fantastic team and uh, I became the, the kind of the weekend manager as such. And we, we had a team of seven on Saturday and, and eight on Sunday. Yeah. The place was humming. And uh, and probably that was, I worked down the bay for a couple of years and then that was the catalyst to uh, Phil offering me a, a role at Norwood, yep. and uh, and that's when I, I initially became a director of the business because we went uh, went halves. He said, uh, "Do you want to set up a store uh, over at uh, the other side of town?" I said, "Yeah, I'd love to." And he said, "Well, we'll give you a bit of a piece of the pie," and uh, and away we went. How good is that? Before we talk about your career trajectory and then what sort of travel has changed through that, can we just go back? You, you mentioned that you fell in love with travel, and most people, I think, that are in the industry have at some stage. You reckon it's a gene because there are people that enjoy a holiday and they go, "Okay, I'm happy not yeah. to travel." For another year there's people like yourself myself yep. phil all your great stuff here at phd you literally get back and you go i want to go on another one yeah look I, I i look at our staff and and i think they've been bitten by the bug just like i was yep. um look it's, it's not the highest paying um you know career at a consultant level or whatever so the, the, the guys are in it for the, the love of it there's no doubt about it um, and that doesn't mean you can't do well. You know, if you, you're very good at what you can do, you can you build your career. But but ultimately, these guys love travel, and they love um, they love being involved with clients. You know, with people. So it's a, it's a people business. So if you love travel and you love people, generally you're going to be successful as a consultant. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Um, and you know, one some of my best times are actually in the, the coffee room or the lunch room just chatting to people about where they've been and what they've done. And you can see their, their eyes light up and stuff. You know, they'll say, oh, I've just come back from Canada Alaska school, been on a river cruise, or I, I hiked, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro. Yep. And so you, you have a chat to them for 10 or 15 minutes and you can just see they're so passionate about it. And, and you know, obviously now I'm getting on a little bit, you know, just, just <laughs> over 50, but I see that passion in their eyes that, that I had when I was, you know, in my 20s as well. Not that I've lost the passion at all. No, when Phil started, he spoke about there were two airlines. There was Qantas and Anzac. There might have yeah. been one ship. When you started, obviously, there's a lot more. But even still, from what '94 to now, yeah. I mean, what about the change we've seen in travel? Some big changes, yeah. Look, you know, the, probably the biggest change uh, came around a real tumultuous period in in the '90s, and uh, there was there was a few things that really happened that that all the listeners will uh, remember. And obviously, September 11 um, was just catastrophic for, yeah. for so many reasons, and that changed the industry, you know, security and all that type of thing become, um, you know, more pertinent. Um, and then a couple of days later, ANSET collapsed mm. uh, and the big brand Travel Land collapsed with it because it was pretty well wholly owned by ANSET all within a couple of days. So September 11 to September 13, the industry was just totally reshaped. Um, so that was, that was a pretty horrendous time. And then a couple of years later, we were hit by uh, SARS or the bird flu. And uh, that that nearly brought us to our knees. You know, it was because people all of a sudden were scared to travel. They, yeah. they, it wasn't a, a money thing. You know, we've we've had uh, you know the economy's been up and down over twenty four years that I've been in the industry. But generally, people just get on with it over a period of time. They might delay for a while, but SARS they were petrified to get on a plane because they thought they were going to die. Yeah. And so for for effectively six weeks, our business just stopped. So we 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 had to put some things in place here, which we're really proud of. And, we think it actually built the culture of our business. So rather than going around, uh, and I think we had about 60 staff, 50 or 60 staff at the time, the decision was made. Um, you know, I said to Phil, I said, look, you know, we, we've got a real issue here. We're gonna have a cash flow issue. We've got to pay the staff. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I actually want to take everyone back to part-time. And I actually want to go look them in the eye and say, the, the, the alternatives are that I have to make 
probably a third of you redundant mm-hmm. or we all go down to part-time. And so I went around and the staff actually just embraced it and they said, Pete, we're with you. You know, we're, we're going to go to part-time. And the beauty of that was six weeks later, I could put them all back to full-time. And in fact, we were that busy because of the pent-up demand that a lot of them actually went to back to six days a week for a while and got all their income back, which was, which was awesome. So that built that real family culture that we have here. And I look at that time as, yeah, really tough time, but a great time as well. You talk about the uh, bumps along the way too. I mean, you mentioned uh, the bird flu, yep. mad cow disease. And mad cow, yeah. Travel always seems There's to always something, yeah. things pop up, but yeah. it just, you know, you sail through. Of course, and, 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 and look, you know, that, that horrible word that we don't want to talk about, you know, terrorism is yeah. ever present as well these days. But I, th- I think what happens is generally most people love traveling and they won't put it off for too long. Yeah. So they might put it off for a little while, but they eventually say, you know what, I deserve a holiday. Australians like holiday, mm. you know. We compare ourselves to uh, you know the North American market, and we, we you know we have four weeks holiday for starters. Yep. They have one or two, <laughs> um, and so when they when we travel, we, we travel for a long time. So people will not put up uh, without a holiday for too long, and uh, and that that's great for us. And and people travel more and more. We're in New York just after September 11th, yep. safest we've ever felt. Absolutely, of that police presence. So I've always said that, and I'm sure you say that to clients too. That yep. never let that stop you. No, and, and I personally don't worry about it. I've travelled a lot with uh, my family. You know, I've got three uh, teenage boys, but you know they've grown up effectively on planes and ships and yep. hotels and whatever because we've taken them everywhere we can to experience the world. You know, and they, they've become world citizens at 17, 16, and 14. Yep. What they can bring to the table for, for their next employer is going to be fantastic because they, they really are worldly. And I always say to the boys, and they, they've asked me about you know the imminent dangers, and I say, yeah, you know, we, we just keep an eye on things, but that won't stop us going. Yeah, you know, there's, there's no doubt. Let's go back to you for a second, if you don't mind. It's always a bit weird when people talk about themselves, but we will do that because, so you move into the Norwood office after starting here with with Phil at Glenelg. He tells the story that it was competitive between the offices. Oh, absolutely. Whether or not it was spoken about, but you know, you all wanted to do it. No, I certainly spoke about it. Uh, Competitive pressure is something that I have always loved. I think it's great in sport. I think it's great in business. And internally, I wanted to create that uh, competitive pressure as well. And... So I, uh, I started with a team of five and uh, we, we soon built that to you know, 10, 12 staff within a year or two, simply uh, with some great philosophies. Yep. And uh, it was one, and uh, you know, my philosophy is always um, not necessarily client first, it's mm-hmm. actually staff first. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you look after the staff really well, the client's gonna be looked after extremely well. Okay. So I think if you really look after your team, and I think we, we really brought that to the table um, with the team at Nort. We're a very close unit. We uh, we socialise together. Yeah. We work together. Um, you know, and we we become uh, very very thick, and uh, and that was great. And it was within a couple of years we, we just had the, the best team probably in Australia. I would have thought at Norwood, and uh, it only took us a couple of years to knock <laughs> off Donald. We jerked Phil a bit, but um, at the end of the day, I think you know both Phil and I were very proud of what we could create at a uh, at a second branch uh, to really then become equal footing with with Glenelg. So. Yeah, it was it was it was good fun uh, creating a bit of that. So, so is it the natural progression then to become the CEO? And now, I mean, from two offices to ten. Yeah, look, look, it's an interesting one, and 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 to be honest, I'm not really even sure how it happened. Uh, look, well, I do. It was after September 11 and uh, and ANSAT really uh, yeah. that that whole uh, area that we talked about that was that was a tough time and the. The manager down here, Bob Thompson, who I mentioned before, was a bit of a mentor. He he rang me uh, on the 13th of September. He said, Pete, I've had enough. I said, what do you mean? And he said, I can't do this anymore. This is too tough. And I said, mate, what are we going to do? And I said, you know, I'm out here. You're there. You know, we're kind of yin and yang. 
And he said, I don't know, mate, but I just can't do it. But I'll give you as long as as you can, you know, uh, as a time to uh, resign. Yep. He said, I'll, I'll give you three months if, if you need three months. I said, I need as long as I can, mate. So I sat down with Phil and I said, look, what are we going to do? And, and I guess at the end of the day, that was the catalyst for us to merge the two businesses because they sure, they were both Phil Hoffman Travel, but they were two separate businesses yeah. as such. So yeah. I said to Phil, look, at the end of the day, I'm happy to look after uh, Glenelg from Norwood. Um, but, you know, obviously we need to merge the two businesses to do that. So we did and we, we, we merged them. And uh, and then after a few years, it became untenable because it was just too hard because this business uh, down at Glenelg had uh, business travel and it had most of our managers and finance and whatever. So I then had to move down here. So I effectively just transitioned into that CEO role, yeah. I guess. And uh, I probably sit over that and nearly the CFO role. That's kind of my, I'm more behind the scenes, whereas Phil is you know, more yeah. you know, uh, promotional and, and out the front. The thing I love about Phil Hoffman Travel, you mentioned Bob, yourself, Phil, Manuela. Yeah. When you're a part of this Phil Hoffman Travel family, you stay for a long time. You've got some serious contenders oh, in terms of longevity. Look, yeah, and that's something I love talking about because I think that just comes back to looking after the staff. Um, you know, my executive management team, I walk in and uh, there's eight that sit around the table. Um, there's there's uh, one lady there, Marianne, who left us for a while while she had babies and then she did uh, kind of a part-time job elsewhere. But she's the probably the shortest serving of them and I think collectively she's done about 10 years. Yeah. You know, so we've got others that are 21, 22, just behind me yeah. uh, as the longest serving, you know, <laughs> which is which is great. And that's where that family philosophy comes into it. You know, we, we still love, even though we're 200 plus staff now, we like to think we treat our staff as family. Yeah. It's important. I see it now on social media where you will have clients interacting with staff members because they go on multiple trips with them, they Absolutely. become friends as well. So it's not just you know a travel agency, if you like. These people, once you have that connection, I guess travel does that too. And you would know firsthand when you go on a tour or a trip with someone, you spend some time with them, you can Absolutely. make a lot of long friends. Well, you can because you spend a lot of time with them. You know, let's face it, if you're on a, a cruise or a, a tour or whatever, you know, you, you're kind of living in each other's pocket for a while. So you soon work out you know, who you like and who you don't like. And, and I think at the end of the day, especially with the staff that host these these tours and, yeah. and cruises, etc., you know, 21, 22 days, they make lifelong friends with them, you know, so they're not clients, they become friends. And similarly with our clients, they actually make lifelong friends with each other. It's amazing when we do these escorted and, and hosted journeys is, and I get up there when I'm doing my, um, you know, presentations, whatever, I say, you will make friends for life. Yep. You will make friends for life. And they kind of look at you and go, nah, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. And then all of a sudden, a few few years later, we see them traveling as, you know, two couples together yep. or three couples together. So that that makes me feel pretty warm. We've had marriages, yep. probably had a few divorces, <laughs> probably had a whole lot, but uh, yeah, it's good fun. You've traveled the world, uh, yep. very envious, a lot of us, you know, the travel that you've done and, and that Phil's done as well. Yeah. I know you've, you mentioned earlier about your passion for cricket. You've been able to combine both your work, travel love and your private travel love as well. To yeah, see as look, much of the world a- absolutely. Can. Look, one of my favorite places in the world is Adelaide Oval, so, uh, you know, um, and I played a lot of cricket, so I've been able to do uh, four Ashes tours over the UK, and they're some of my favourite memories. Um, travelling with a bunch of mates—it's not an official PHT tour; it's, yeah. it's actually just travelling with a bunch of mates. And uh, we're, we're heading off to the UK next year for the Ashes, and we've got twenty-six of us, uh, which will be our, our biggest lot going. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Um, my other favourite memories are probably the, the family travel as well. And uh, it's funny—the kids nearly demand that we do a cruise 
as part of that. Yep. Um, so no matter where we go in the world, they go, can we can we at least do seven nights on a cruise somewhere? <laughs> so we've been very lucky that we, uh, we've cruised in the Caribbean, we've cruised particularly in the Mediterranean, I love. I yep. just, it doesn't matter, take me anywhere in the Mediterranean, I, I just love it. Um, and you know, I've done river cruise, not with the family. So I, I love cruising, the family love cruising. Um, and then we've done some beautiful villa stays as well, you know, for, for special anniversaries and birthdays, you know, whether it's uh, in Tuscany or a chateau in France. Yeah. And again, with friends, I love traveling with friends. It's, um, you know, it's just one of life's great pleasures, you know, when you can share these wonderful times somewhere overseas all together, yep. you know, with a glass of wine or a bit of cheese and, uh, and you know, a hilltop town, just fantastic stuff. In the genes, could we see future travelers in the Williams family? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, father, you know, yeah, the father, son, right? I guess we have to wait and see. They're, they're probably a tad young, although my, uh, my eldest is uh, heading into year 12, so mm-hmm. we need to sit down and have some serious chats about what he would like to do. My... I would like to see them not initially come straight into the business mm-hmm. if they choose to come in down the line, but I think it's healthy for them to go out and get experiences elsewhere. Yeah, now, whether that is in the travel industry or whether it's not, that's totally going to be up to them. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see, but yeah, it would be a very proud moment, just like Phil has uh, you know, one of his daughters working here. I think it's a, a proud moment to, to see that legacy continue, and, and we, we talk about that, um, but I'm not going to force them to do yeah. it either. We joke with Phil, there isn't a place he hasn't been to. Michelle Mick and I know who works here at the Glenelg office. She's got a big pin-up board at home of the places that she's been to. Is there places on an atlas, on a globe, that you just think, I haven't been there yet, but I yeah. plan to? No, no. To be honest, there, there, there's not there's not uh, an absolute wish list. Um, Europe is my favourite place yep. in the world by a streak. Why is that? I, I just love the culture, yeah. and I love how you can have many different cultures, uh, wine, food, experiences, all on one continent, yep. you know, and you can travel for a couple of hours and you go from France to Italy, for example. Um, so take me anywhere in Europe. So I guess I'll probably be looking for a couple of places in Europe that I haven't been, but there's not many left. I've just ticked off Croatia yep. and absolutely love that. So <laughs> I'll be heading back to Croatia, probably to a different part of Croatia, maybe mm-hmm. Northern Croatia this time. Um, maybe Malta, somewhere uh, I heard Malta, fantastic. Mediterranean, uh, for me, is, is the key. Around that Mediterranean, uh, whether it's Spain, France, Italy, Croatia, the Greek islands, I feel very, very comfortable. And I've just come back from a, a beautiful holiday a place called uh, Fologandris, and not, and not many people know of this, and it's a little island just off of Santorini, and uh, I call it heaven on earth. So I have no doubt I'm going to be going back there as yep. often as I can. Uh, it's it's not as touristy as Santorini. I love Santorini, by the way. We had four days Santorini, five days in Fologandris, but it was um, one of those places that once again we were with uh, family and friends. Yep. Just uh, just a great place just to kick back uh, in a beautiful little piazza, uh, weather always stunning, glass of wine, some grilled squid. Doesn't get much better for me. Sounds perfect. To get there and to enjoy that, you have to do it by a plane, via a yeah. ship, via whatever. But there's a bit of effort. Um, what about though? How much it's changed since in the 25 years you've been in the industry? Oh, Lee, look, you know, just I, it, ships it, are becoming, and I don't mean this rudely, they're becoming ridiculous. Like someone's throwing an idea and they're yeah. doing it. Yeah. it's amazing what they're doing. Now. Look, and in the last uh, four weeks, I've been very, very lucky. I, I've, I've travelled quite extensively, so I'm looking forward to a bit of a Christmas <laughs> break. But boy, have I enjoyed it. So I went to South America and uh, I took my team away and we talk about looking after the team. We took 14 or 15 of our, our top staff away yep. and we do that annually and we take them somewhere iconic. Next year we're going to Tanzania to do the, the game parks. 
Uh, this year we took them to uh, Peru yeah. and we did much of picture and geez, it was fantastic. I came back and I, I really didn't feel like getting on a plane again, but I got convinced to go to the new Holland America launch um, out of Venice and uh, <laughs> an excuse to go back to Venice, one of, one of the great places in the world. But what I did was I, um, I jumped on the new flight from Perth to London, the non-stop, which was the longest flight in the world um, that Qantas had just started, uh, 17 hours. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go, wow, you know, you'd never get me on a 17 hour flight. Well, let me tell you, it's 14 hours flight, Adelaide to Dubai, an extra few hours for a non-stop service mm -hmm. through to London. Now, whoever would have thought that we would have had a non-stop service from Australia through to Europe. Yeah. Now I can tell you that now is obviously a reality and one, it was fantastic, mm -hmm. one stop, all of a sudden I'm there. Wow, how good's that? But this is gonna happen more and more. We're gonna have non-stop flights to uh, New York. We're gonna have non-stop flights to Vancouver. We'll have non-stop flights to Paris. Yep. It's all about to happen. So, you know, the 25 years, for a while there, probably not much change, but boy, the, the aircraft now, because they're, they're building these aircraft, they're ultra long haul, mm -hmm. and uh, they're, they're made out of composite materials, uh, they've got more fuel-efficient engines, and they're really opening up the world. It's just gonna be brilliant. Cruise side, wow. Um, I saw a, a cruise ship the other day that has a racing track on yep. it. Another one has a roller coaster on it. Yep. I thought we were pretty smart when we went to Caribbean a few years ago and my lads were on the surfing machine out the back. Yep. Uh, but now there's roller coasters, there's dodging cars. I'm convinced they sit in a room and someone throws they a do. silly idea from the back and well, goes, they, put grass on there. They have innovative, uh, innovating rooms yep. and they do. It's exactly what you said. They sit around and they come up with new concepts. Now that's great for what I call the resort ships. They are, they're, they're a resort that move from destination, destination to destination. And I love that. You wake yeah. up, you're in another city, but you've still got your resort you know, to go back to. But then at the other end, there's these the, the smaller ships. So they're either getting larger or smaller. Yeah. And the smaller ships, they're doing um, you know, these amazing experiences you know, through to Antarctica and, and the Kimberleys, these exhibition ships that, that just, you know, expedition is becoming really, really big now. Getting off the beaten track yeah. in these smaller ships with zodiacs on the back and you can really immerse yourself in the destination. And and the, the mid-sized ships like the Holland America, they're just coming up with you know amazing food and amazing entertainment. I always say there's a cruise for everyone and I don't care whether you're one year of age or, or 100 years of age, the important part is to be put on the right ship. Yep. And I think that's what we do really well at Phil Hoffman Travel. And that's why you know, Phil was really the visionary in that um, probably 20 years ago when he opened up the first cruise center. And I said to him, mate, you know, cruise really and he said Pete it's the next best thing mm. or next big thing and, and he was right you know now about 20 to 25 percent of every file that we open has a cruise component in it so it's massive yeah before we let you go and we appreciate you again being part of the podcast uh I love the saying you come into the world with nothing you go out with nothing it's yep. everything you do in the middle Great. of which travel is a big part of that you got philosophies like that do you think about yeah. you know people travel people that leave it too late and they think I'll oh, I'll save it till I retire or I don't want to do it with a family or Leith it's, it's, a, it's a really really good point and uh, you know I was a consultant for you know 12-13 years and sadly I did see some people that would delay and it never happened mm. and I was always of the philosophy that do it while you can do it while you're healthy um, and look, you know, we do have trips for people with certain armaments and, uh, you know, limited mobility and, and cruising close to home and rail and sail, that's all fine. But I think, you know, this long haul travel to, to Europe and North America should be done when you're, when you're up and about. And uh, there's no better time than doing it now um, because we never know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Yeah. So my philosophy is live life fully and, uh, and live it every day. And so as soon as I finish 
one holiday, already planning the next one. Yeah. And if I don't go away with my family and friends once a year, um, then you know that means that I'm doing something wrong. So always take time, um, and if you can do it with your family and friends, it's good. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thanks, Lloyd. Peter Williams, CEO and Director of Phil Hoffman Travel, my very special guest. Thank you for listening.